in today's show. We're looking ahead to Thursday in the NBA. There are only two games on, so streaming is vitally important, Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble on TikTok at RedRock underscore Beeble on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. I don't expect that this is going to be a particularly long show. There are only two games on on Thursday. So let's... Get it on, Gilly. Let's get it on, Gilly. (laughs) (laughs) All right, now that I've fired this show up, we've got a real big one coming up. The Spurs Pelicans. That's what we're watching. The first game. What are we looking for here? Well, we know Brandon Ingram's out at least this game and the next game. It's going to be like a month that he's been out up to now. Like, it's frustrating. We don't... Injury reporting is annoying. And I know there was some million people tagged me in a couple of things today. I got tagged in the comment from Dwayne Casey saying that Boyan Bogdanovich is up there with Kevin Garnett and DeMar DeRozan is the best offensive players he's, he's coached. Like, the amount about 10 people tag me in that. All right, Dwayne, no problem. The other one was there's a tweet by Tom Haberstro, which was saying, um, as injuries and rest days mount across the league, new research shows that NBA stars play 76% of their games down from 86 in the late 90s and 84 in the 2000s. And well, I, know, I don't know, actually, I don't know why people love banging on and banging on about this, right? They talk about it so much. Okay, NBA stars. That was, I th- believe that they classified that as all stars and all NBA players. Okay. And the number for this season was 70, they played in 76% of their team's games. This graph also doesn't take into consideration the COVID situation where we just got wiped out completely last season with so many players missing time for COVID. So that was down to 65%. But like, as, as I said, I tweeted this out as well. We're talking about games missed. We'll get to this game in a second. We've got a bit of time here. Yeah, it's it, the injury reporting is frustrating. I actually think it's better than it was five, six, seven years ago. It was it was so frustrating with late scratches and we get no information. Now at least we get early injury reporting. It's annoying that we don't get diagnoses and that remains a big frustration. But say 76% of players or of stars, according to this graph, play in their team's games this season. We all look at it and go, it's worse than ever. It's worse than ever. Well, it's actually the second highest number in the last six seasons. So again, I can, yes, I can look back at 1998, 99 and say 92% of games. That's a gigantic number or 89% in 16, 17. It's a really big number, right? We're talking maybe 25, 26 players here. It's not a gigantic sample size. So one player cops an injury and it can skew this considerably. That is something to mention. And the downward trend is there. Again, the COVID years do really impact that, but it's not as dire, I think, as what's being made out. In the last 10 years, there have been five seasons worse than this current season in terms of stars missing games. Worse than this one, like five of them. It's the second highest number in the last six seasons. So while we can use this if we want to be fully glass half empty and we're really, oh my God, it's worse than ever, it's just not. Like It's not worse than ever. Is it as good as it was in the 80s or 90s? No, but we also know more about um, sports medicine and recovery and what is better for the players. 
this is not the players. I, th- I think we all need. To, this is not the players saying, "I don't want to play." It, it just isn't. It's the team saying, "All of our data tells us that you can't play, and we need to preserve you in injuries and try and get careers to go longer." And people, well, this game's not that. It's not as physical. People also account physical for um, body contact. Like you, if you can smash someone in the face, that means the game's more physical. That's not what physical means in terms of injury prevention and injury management. That's not what physical is. I know that we think, or the, the general consensus is that physical is, well, if you can bash someone, or you know, if you're playing football and you can tackle them, then that's physical. That's not, that's not what it is. Right? Physical is the speed of the game. The fact that these guys are bigger, stronger, faster, jumping, landing, twisting, faster moves on the court compared to what was happening in the 80s. Like, again, watch an 80s game, watch a game now, and watch how much faster and how more aggressive and violent the actual um, physical moves of players are. And that's physicality. The speed, the way that they run, the defensive schemes, all of that stuff. Rather than, I'm going to get smashed in the head when I go to the rim, how many injuries were concussions? Also, nobody cared about concussions back then. So that's, that's not what happens. It's the more aggressive nature of the game, the more physical nature of the movements, the athleticism and the speed and the size of the players is what the physical nature is. So to go out there and say that it's a it's not a physical, it was way more physical in the 80s. Yeah, because they hit each other, but that's it. Like That's not what is happening here. And again, stuff has improved in terms of being able to um, improve the longevity of people's careers or not even necessarily how long the career goes, but how long the player is able to be good in those careers. That's another thing too, like maintaining that. And I, I get that it's frustrating. I get that players, but I think we, we get caught up in it and saying that every year is worse than every other year. And even according to this graph, it's just not true. I don't know why I went off on that little tangent then, but I think that so many people are so set out to like feed into this narrative of things being dreadful when I, I don't even, even the data that's supposed to prove that, I don't think it actually does. I, I, don't, I don't think it does. I also, you know, my perspective, and I come from a, a slightly different mindset here that when I go to watch a local game, my local football team, I don't go to watch an opposing star in fact, if an opposing good player is out, I love it. It means my team's got a better chance to win. And if a star is out of my team, I just go, okay, that's fine. Let's see what we do. It's, to me, uh, it is different in a football situation because there's 18 players on a field for us versus five. And I know the star power drives the NBA. But so I, ha- I have a slightly different perspective on that. But I also don't think that the whole sky is falling mentality on this is probably, it's not probably quite as accurate as it's made out to be. Uh, I, I, would, I know that most of you are going to disagree with me on this. Drop the comments in the YouTube, no problem. I, I get that. But I also think that it is important to interpret data and look at different ways that data can be interpreted versus like, oh my God, it's the worst. Everyone's so soft. Everyone, they just make money. They don't want to play. When I think that that is real oversimplification and wrong, really. Anyway, Zach Collins. Well, that's all came from me talking about Brandon Ingram. I don't know what's going on with his toe. That's annoying. That is bad, and that needs to change. Josh Richardson's out for personal reasons. Keldon, well, no, he's not. He's questionable for personal reasons. Keldon Johnson, the old horse. Whose horse is that? 
had a back issue last game. The Spurs, yeah, they are blatantly tanking this season in my mind. They there's just bullshit injuries all the time with them. That I agree. All right, but they're not really classified as stars, are they? And then there's um, Larry Nance, who is questionable without Achilles issue for the Pelicans. He missed last game. I don't know whether he's going to play in this one. He's officially um, questionable for this one. What I want to watch for the, the Spurs to bury the lead of this entire show is Zach Collins. Because the last two games, Zach has been playing really, really solid minutes. Pirtle has been on a minutes restriction, 21 and 23. So Zach has played 24 and 23. 20 plus minutes from Zach Collins is a 12-team worthy Zach Collins. And I'd expect that he probably plays 20 minutes here again. I don't know if Pirtle's going to be on this restriction long-term, or how long-term, sorry, or if Collins gets 20 a night every night, which is distinctly possible. So I want to see how Zach Collins looks. I also want to see whether they go back to Kader Bates-Diop starting, or they go back to Sohan. I believe they'll go with Bates-Diop, who played 27 minutes last game, which is enough to be useful in fantasy leagues. It is. His value is in steals. It's more for 14-team leagues, but again, we're talking low-volume day here for Bates-Diop. I think that there is enough there to at least consider him a streamer if he gets the start, which I think he will. For the Pelicans, I want to watch Herb Jones. I want to watch the shooting for him because it's bad and no one is really talking about it apart from me. Maybe someone else is, but Jones, who we all praise for these big steps forward last season, is basically regressed back to being quite poor from the field, from three, and from the free throw line. And he really, for fantasy, is now just a steel streamer. Let's see if that's able to change. And of course, the guy who went absolutely bananas last game. Jonas Valsunas. Jonas Valanciunas. Pretty feel pretty confident in saying he's not going to do what he did last game. But what it, his role with or without Nance is always something we want to watch. Because there have been games in the past where Nance has been out, and he still played 23. Or there's been games when Nance plays and he still plays 26. He's still a must-roster player, Valanciunas, even though he's a back-end guy. But how the Nance, Valanciunas, Hernan Gomez playing time goes, how they utilize him, I think it's a really, really key thing for us to watch. Today's episode is brought to you by the NHTSA. Did you know that driving high is considered driving under the influence? That's right. Driving under the influence of marijuana is against the law in every state, even in states where marijuana is legal. That means driving high could get you a DUI. And if you think law enforcement officers can't tell when you're driving high, you're wrong. Your friends can tell, your coworkers can tell, even your parents can tell. Everyone can tell. So what makes you think that law enforcement officers don't know when you're driving high? Driving under the influence of marijuana can slow your response time and change how you perceive time and speed. So even if you think you're fine to drive when you're high, you're not. Because the bottom line is, if you feel different, you drive different. And driving high is driving under the influence. So remember, drive high, get a DUI, paid for by the NHTSA, not CA, God, can't read words. Let's look at the second game of the day. It is the Washington Wizards and the Utah Jazz. No spread or total for either of these games. We know that Rui Hachimura is out. And then there are four really interesting, questionable players here. One of them is Kristaps Porzingis. Where's the sound for Kristaps? Porzingis. Um, Delon Wright could return as well. For the Wizards, he's missed like months with this um, uh, hamstring injury. They could both be back here. And then for the Jazz, Kelly Olenekin and uh, Colin Sexton are both questionable. And if Olenekin and Sexton play, the Jazz are completely healthy. If Porzingis and Wright play, the Wizards are healthy apart from Hachimura. So we're going to get some interesting rotation decisions that need to be made. Last game, pretty much out of nowhere, Monte Morris played like 35 minutes. Even though Jordan Goodwin was there, Brad Beal was there, everyone was there apart from DeLon. So what is Morris's role going to be? 
especially if DeLon plays. He struggles to have 12-team league value Monty when um, Brad Beal plays, but 36 minutes is really interesting. So that's what we want to watch. He's obviously worth having for a low-volume day like this, and then we get more of an inf- information as to where it moves going forward. Avdia, 21 minutes a game before. Tuesday, 36 without Porzingis, and he played well. It feels like we need either Beal or Kuzma or Porzingis to be out for Denny to be a 12-team league guy. So therefore, he sort of moves into that Tyus Jones, Trey Murphy, DeAnthony Melton, obviously Murphy and Melton, different situations because they're starting, but those more luxury stash players who it just takes sort of one injury for the value to rise. So if you're sitting high in the standings, then Avdia can be top 100 when one of three players are out. That is how it's starting to feel. But we might get a fully healthy team here and we'll see where Denny fits. I think they should play him 30 minutes a night every night. But they are, for a bad team, weirdly deep with Barton and Kispert and Goodwin and Gafford and have Delon and Rui coming back. And finding those minutes might be tough. And that's what we want to watch for the Jazz. With Olenek out, they've been starting Walker Kessler. I don't think they'll continue starting Walker if Kelly returns. But a Walker Kessler, Kelly Olenek frontcourt is really intriguing. And what we do want to watch is Kessler's minutes. He's played over 20 in five, no, not five, seven of the last eight games. Two of them starts. He is a must-roster player in my mind, but I want to see the role, what happens if Olenek returns. I also want to watch Malik Beasley, who's been just chugging along points and threes. That's what he is. We know that. He's going to be a cold streak. But will Colin Sexton eat in? Because before Sexton's injury, Beasley was the third guard. Sexton was the fourth. And then Conley went down and Sexton started and played 30 minutes a night. So is Sexton the third guard? Or is he back to the fourth guard? What does that mean for Beasley? And where does his value go after that? That is something that we want to watch. Today's episode is also brought to you by Better Help. Unfortunately, life doesn't come with a user manual. It's not working for you. It's normal when you feel stuck, whether that's a big change or even something small. Things can really derail us and we need to get those coping skills. So that's what therapists are there for. They are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and learn productive coping skills. BetterHelp has connected over 3 million people with licensed therapists. It's convenient and it's accessible anywhere, 100% online. You really think you need to look into you know, what your what your life is and how you feel because everyone has challenges and like... You know, sometimes it can be hard to admit that, but, you know, therapy helps. Like, it helps me deal with so much stress in my life, and it's something that you need, should look into, and BetterHelp is a great option to do that. It's the world's largest therapy service, and BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist, but if things aren't clicking, you can just go and request a new therapist because it's really important that you find that person that you connect with. No more waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOnNBA. Let's look at streaming options for Tuesday. There's only four teams on. I've got Larry Nance at the top here because he is available in a ton of spots, but he is questionable. Now, I don't normally put questionable guys on these streaming lists, but Larry Nance is a pretty obvious one to me. Look, add him. Even if he doesn't play, you add him. Zach Collins got really good stream value, probably plays 22-23, and that's enough for Zach to put up numbers. Denny Avdia, would you like another tangent? You can't answer me, so I'm going to give it anyway. A lot of people talk about, now you absolutely have to have turnovers in fantasy. You have to have them, otherwise your guards become overpowered. I actually think that's bullshit because 
what we see all the time in fantasy is you go look at the top of the standings, especially if you look with turnovers on in rankings, the big men are way overpowered in turnover rankings, way overpowered. And this is even like, I always reference non-turnover rankings, but you see guys like Zach Collins playing 21 minutes a night be a top 100 player for stretches of periods. You don't ever see guards playing 20 minutes a night be top 100 players because the outsized value of rebounds, blocks, and field goal percentage and the scarcity of those stats, which is what the big men bring, actually mean their value is so sky high anyway. It's like looking at Rob Williams. is like, if you include turnovers in a rank from last season as the 13th best fantasy player, if you can't tell me that that's overpowering big men, then I think we're looking at the wrong thing. Like when we look at any sort of big man, well, Al Horford, I was top 40 last season. Was he actually? Like, no, but it overpowers big men. So I've been thinking about that. Like, well, you know, if you, if you don't include turnovers, it just really devalues the big man. I think it's actually the opposite. If you include turnovers, it actually overvalues big men. You don't get guards playing 20 minutes a night who are able to have the impact in fantasy as a big man playing 20 minutes a night. That, that's, how, that's how I, you know, another, another complete tangent. Zach Collins is a good stream. Then he Avdia. We talked about, we don't know where the role is if Porzingis is in or out, but no one's playing. Avdia's going to start. Good option. Jeremy Sohan and Jose Alvarado. This is where we get into bench options. Alvarado, good steel streamer. Um, Sohan's a decent steel streamer. Dan Gafford could be an absolute blow-up streamer, depending on Porzingis' status. So we definitely look to add him. And then Najee Marshall and Will Barton, two guys who had some solid value have lost it all, have been dropped by a few people, but this is why you hold because there's just nothing available to stream in on Thursday. And even if it's 20 minutes of Najee or 20 minutes of Barton, it's better than zero minutes of somebody else. Maybe it's not, but it generally is. So while they're not long-term 12-team league options really clearly, there are some streaming, there is some streaming value in those guys. For deeper leagues, Sohan's available everywhere. Like he's 90% available. So is Marshall. So they're, they're valuable in basically every league here. Kenta Bates, Diop, I'd even consider him a 14-team streamer, maybe 12 Dougie McDermott's got value for threes. Dyson Daniels, Corey Kispert, Romeo Langford, and Devontae Graham. Basically, anyone who we think is getting 15 minutes a night becomes a streaming option on a day like this. For points leagues, these guys are all available in um, uh, 40% of leagues or more. Trey Murphy, Walker Kessler. It must roster Walker Kessler pretty clearly. Monte Morris, Denny Avdia, Zach Collins, Jose Alvarado, Jeremy Sohan, and Will Barton. Now, someone made this comment on the video the day to when I'm looking at chunks in the next few days. Hey, maybe you should consider doing four-day chunks instead of five. And I love that he said that because I'd already been considering it. I think five might be too long of a chunk and you don't really see that schedule bonus for players because it just it tends to even out. I, I 100% agree. So I am going to change the chunk values to four days. What is happening over the next four days? Now, in saying that, over the next four days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we have <laughs> nothing good happening. There's a 14-game Friday with no streaming. Everyone who plays Thursday, these guys, um, don't play on Sunday. So there's no ability to stream in multiple low-volume games. So I am going to change the evaluation of chunks to four days instead of five. But over the next four days, there is no one team who plays more than one quality game. It's a weird, weird week. If we look, though, at what happens over the next four days, where some value is, those first three names on the list, Tom Bryant, Markel Fultz, and Trey Murphy, I think that you have them and you start them, even if one of their games included is included on a 14-game slate, especially Bryant and Fultz. 
The other guys all have two games over the next four days, and they're useful enough when you're maximizing games played for waiver ads to be startable. Dennis Schroeder, Zach Collins, Monte Morris, Emmanuel Quickly, although that is a real tough one to recommend, and Grayson Allen. Now, they might not work, but two games over the next four days, you consider them. You probably wouldn't start like a Quickly or an Allen on a 14-game Friday, but they do have the one quality game in there, and if your team is injury hit, you can consider those guys as options there. And that will do it for me today. Went a little bit off topic in this show, but thought we had the time to do it, so I did it. Follow me on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on Audison. If you're on YouTube, thumb it up, leave a comment, subscribe, and ring the bell. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.